Hi, this is Howard Jacobson, and I'm back on the phone with John Robbins. Hello, John. Hello, Howard. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm excited to be talking with you again. I had such a a high after our last conversation, full of uh, of hope and clarity. So I'm I'm looking for another hit. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so I'm embarrassed to say that the reason we're having this call is that before our our last interview, I uh, solicited questions from people um, in the Holvana community that uh, they would like to ask you, and I was so excited to get you on the phone that I completely forgot <laughs> that I had even made that request. And then some days later, I, uh, I stumbled upon them and realized that uh, that I hadn't advocated for. <laughs> For them, and so uh, I'm, I'm back with a, with a few more questions from community members, and they they largely fall into kind of the categories of um, you know what what can we do as individuals, um, and you know what's your prognosis? So let's 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 start with the uh, sort of empowering. Questions. So, so someone someone writes, I'm a big fan of your books and messages. I've been a vegetarian for 15 years and trying to move toward veganism. My question is, what advice would you have for an individual to try and influence others to go vegetarian or vegan? So it's, it's a difficult conversation for me to try and have uh, socially. Well, so, it is a very difficult conversation to have with many people because they don't want to be that what they would see as radical or extreme. They want to stay within the, the, the safety of, of what they know. Uh, and and change is difficult for a lot of us. Whatever a person is eating, whatever their diet happens to be, that's what they think is they like the best. So therefore, any change is going to be something they like less, they think. And, and, and it's, it's hard sometimes for people. They've got emotional in, attachments to what they eat. Uh, they, they have family members who are resistant. They have friends who aren't interested. They have um, uh, work, workplaces that, um, that are not hospitable or welcoming to, to this kind of change. Um, it, you know, it's, we live in a t- pretty toxic food culture where the norm uh, is uh, unhealthy and and even disastrous. And, and so those of us who are wanting to push the envelope and, and expand our horizons and our possibilities and reach into a healthier future uh, for ourselves and others are up against that resistance. The, the, the cultural um, uh, uh, control really, that fast food has, that junk food has, that uh, uh, cheap meat has, uh, is, is huge. Um, but what you can always do is, first of all, be true to yourself, your values, and your integrity, and eat only those foods which you know to be nourishing to you and, and, to your, and that, that align you with your spirit and, and that uh, nourish your cells and your, your organs and, and the systems of your body in such a way that you can be the most loving person that you can be. I mean, the goal is love. You know, I eat healthily so that I can live a long, healthy life, so I can love better and, and be more resilient and resourceful in my responses to challenges and, 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 and be of more service to people. I think when people feel you coming from compassion and love for them, 
and respect for them, whatever their their food choices happen to be at present, um, they, they are much more um, responsive to you. They like you better. <laughs> they associate you then with with positive feelings that they have that you evoke in them, that you provide them, and and they feel supported uh, in making whatever steps uh, of self acceptance and 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 self healing that they are ready to make um, and. It, but if you have a standard that they need to 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 uh, meet in order for you, you to approve of them, hmm. they'll feel that, and they'll feel they they will feel criticized, they they will feel kind of disrespected or disdained, and and they won't respond to you in the same way. They won't like you as much. You'll feel more frustrated. You'll feel more out of out of connection with them, and you won't feel effective in terms of reaching them. So really we have to look at our judgments and let them go of where people are at and, and understand that these changes are hard for people. So um, it, it's, it's, diffi- it's difficult and when you understand the difficulty that everyone is dealing with, um, then what you, you, when you speak to them about what you're doing and what, you, what, what they might do, you can do so with an attitude that's more conducive to their, to their growth and, and to them feeling your respect for them and your compassion for them and your caring for them. They still may not change, though, or may still may not change as much as you would like or as swiftly as you would like or perhaps even at all. But they won't be as mocking or critical back to you and you won't feel as um, uh, 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 depleted in your efforts. We have a lot of burnout uh, because we, we... we attach to the results. You know, we we want people to change. As I, I want people to feel loved, and I want them to live healthy lives, and I want them to live lives in harmony with with the well-being of our society and and and, and the planet and the, all the whole web of life, really, the living living community of of, of, of creation. Um, and I think that's entirely possible. But I see how difficult it is for for many people. And, and I always want to remain in contact with that pain and that suffering and that difficulty uh, because then, then I come from my heart more and less from my judgments. Mm. So that's, that's a, a, a beautiful answer for sort of the, you know, the individual, the, the, the dinnertime conversation or sitting next to someone on a plane who's, who's tucking in. Um, but are, th- are there things that we can do that are more proactive, let's say, on a policy level or a – a strategic well, level, as opposed to like individual conversations. Yes, definitely. And and I and I I, I interpreted your first question as the individual level. Yeah, I think that's um, that's that's what I was. I think that, that that's how I interpreted the uh, the questioner's question as well. Okay, okay. So so that's how you interpreted the questioner's question, and I interpreted your question of your sharing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But but yes, certainly we we need to work collectively, and we need to work in groups, and we need to work on policy, um, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I founded with my son the, the Food Revolution Network, because we are all about working together to to create social change, and and, and how to leverage how, how can we most efficiently leverage our efforts. Um, so that we are as effective as possible. Um, but you have to work in networks. You have to work with groups of support uh, in order to do that. 
of course, you can sign online petitions at your computer at home, but and please do. But but um, to know where our, our 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 leverage really is, you know, where is the acupuncture point where we where if we push on it, we will get them some real healing for the whole system. Uh, at, at currently, for example, one of the issues that I think we actually have a chance at um, at changing things is I think we can get a, a bill labeling genetically engineered food, re- re- mandating it, that, that labeling. And, and there, there are many reasons for uh, why that's important, but one of them is that by not having, having labeling, people generally don't know which foods are GMO and which aren't. They, they don't have the, the ability then to choose to avoid them if they should want to do so. Um, and that represents the, a belief system uh, about how much awareness is the public entitled to about their, their food. And the, the ag-gag laws that we are seeing uh, proposed in many states passed in some that, uh, that, that make it a crime to videotape or, um, or photograph what is going on in a factory farm or a feedlot um, or a slaughterhouse. Uh, these are, again, wars on awareness. And they are statements that you, you, you shouldn't know, you don't have the right to know, thou shalt not be aware. Um, and and we, we, we need to be aware. We need to be aware which foods are genetically engineered. We need to know what's going on in our food production systems. We need to know uh, what organic means, what the labels on foods mean. We need to know that they mean something real and, and uh, we can, that we can count on them so that we can make choices. That, that, uh, that, and so everyone can make choices, and we can gradually then move the system in the direction of a healthier, more humane, more compassionate, um, more sustainable, um, and, and, and more humanly enriching um, forms of agriculture and food distribution and, and food consumption. Mm. And I, I love how that echoes your answer to the first question, um, which is that when, when we're talking, when we're advocating for awareness, we're not even advocating for people to do anything in particular with that awareness. Exactly. Um, well, I trust, you see, if people see, for just to give one example, most people don't know how cruel factory farming is. They may have some vague idea that it's cruel, but they, they really don't know. They, and industry works very hard to keep the veil in place over people's eyes. Um, they present sugar-coated versions of it all the time. Meanwhile, they work to, uh, to support ag-gag bills and other legislation that make it difficult or impossible or illegal for people to know. And um, but what, almost everyone can get behind our right to know our, 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 and our need to know how our food is produced and, and what goes into it. Uh, and when people see um, how the animals are actually treated in factory farms, many people, I mean, it used to be said that, I think it was Paul McCartney who first said it, if, if, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, if people could see in, into them, there would be a lot more vegetarians. <laughs> um, and I think it's true. Um, and if people saw what's going on in factory farms, how the animals live, not just how they're killed, 
but the horribly horrible conditions in which they're forced to, to endure their lives, uh, and the completely unnatural diets they're fed, unnatural to their physiology, um, the the uh, the results would be would be a, a revolution in our in our food system because people would just be so abhorred by it. Um, you don't have to be an animal rights activist if you see how cruelly the animals are treated to find it deplorable. You don't have to be a vegetarian. In fact, I think non-vegetarians perhaps have even more reason to be concerned about how the animals who they eat are treated because if they're treated really bad, as they all, almost always are today, then hormones and drugs and antibiotics have to be used merely to keep them alive. And then we, then the, the food is full of residues of these drugs and um, is not safe for human consumption and is contributing to antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which are uh, really uh, taking the, 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 the ability of our, of our greatest weapons in, in Western medicine um, away from us. Uh, these are really serious issues, and um, the more people know about them, the more people will change. I trust that people will change if you speak to, to their higher nature. I remember once early in my, in my married life, I've been with my wife now for 47 years, and, and, and we have a wonderful relationship, honestly, and, but it took a lot. I had to learn a lot. I had to unlearn <laughs> things, too. And one of the things she said to me early on, she says, speak to the queen and the queen will reply. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized I wasn't speaking. My, I was doing something else. And, and, and I, I have this feeling this applies in all of our, our relationships in a way, that, that the assumptions you make about people and, and the part of them that you speak to will, will grow. And, and, and uh, the assumptions you make about them will be conveyed to them, and that's what they'll hear, and that's what they'll receive. So if you assume that people are capable of, uh, uh, and, and strong and resilient and confident at some level, capable of, of, of change, then you're not, you're not pushing and you're not forcing, and, and, and there's an ease. And, and that's what grows. I, I, I think we, we really need to learn how to speak to each other with, with as much respect as we would really like to be spoken to. And then maybe we'll all feel more like kings and queens in the sense that we'll feel worthy and dignified and, and live lives uh, that express that. Wow. You know, I've never, I've never had an urge for a tattoo, but that statement <laughs> almost wants me to put that on my shoulder. <laughs> and it, it, it reminds me of, you know, years ago when I was studying education, there was a, a study of teachers in California, of classrooms in California, where the teachers were told um, that certain students had been tested and were going to spurt. They were going to have huge intellectual advances in the coming year. And the researchers picked names out of a hat and, and, and basically lied to the teachers to see what would happen. And at the end of the year, every one of those students who had been flagged as a, a, um, a future you know, spurter did better than they had ever done before and had moved to the top of the class. So exactly. I remember seeing that study, too. And, and, and the kids who were randomly assigned to, to be that their teachers were told they were going to do really well uh, and, and the test had shown that did really well 
because and the only thing that really that had changed was the teacher's expectations of them and assumptions about them and i i sometimes think we we, we if we get into critical thinking about uh, that disrespects someone they, they'll end up fulfilling our our uh, our fears <laughs> and and sometimes we, what, when we when we believe in in each other more and and realize that there are strengths and gifts in each of us, uh, along with flaws and 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 quirks. Um, but 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 there are gifts. Each of us carries uh, some spark and some individual gift, and it's finding that and evoking that, developing that, and turning that into a, into a way of service that really uh, makes a life uh, hum. I think. And 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 it, it's in the food world. We have so many opportunities to to make choices. Every mouthful, really, is is a political statement. And people around you are noticing. They're noticing what you eat. They're noticing how you feel to them, what you look like, and how you relate to them, whether you have a sense of humor or not about it all. And if you are attractive. Uh, to them, if you if you embody the qualities that they want to, they aspire to, and want want to develop in themselves, they'll be attracted to what you're doing, and how you're doing it, um, and 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 that's one of the reasons why I think we need to be fit, we need to be caring, um, in how we we are with others, and and that's that's how the movement really grows. Mm, I I love that, and it's it's reminding me that. Uh... When I was uh, getting started in business, one of the things I did was take some sales training so that I could actually, you know, make money. And one of, one of the most impactful statements I got was that sales is basically a, a, a battle of confidence, that wh- whoever was more confident was, was going to win. If, you, if the salesperson was more confident that their product or service was going to help, then the prospect was confident that it wouldn't, they would win and vice versa. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and it feels like this is a you know the, the best thing we could do to bring about this this new world is to just like those uh, you know the, the teachers in that study is we, what, what if we randomly assign everyone we, we meet to the wonderful enlightened person category? You know, there, I remember hearing a story about a um, a society where it's, it's a fable, but 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 it but it's. I find it, it uh, fascinating. In, the, in this society, the story goes, um, things are falling apart. No one trusts anyone. Um, the, the, the social fabric is deteriorating. There is increasing crime, selfishness and greed, um, and, and, and violence, and, and families are, are, are uh, having a real hard time staying together. Um, it, it's a pretty bleak scene but what happens then is someone passing through the town starts the rumor that the awakened one uh, is in this society disguised as a, a normal person that there is some special being who's uh, either um, enlightened or um, um, Somehow full of grace and and blessing, <laughs> um, and, and, but they're disguised. They, they they're in the in the community uh, appearing like a normal person, 
And, and so this rumor gets started, and of course nobody knows who it is. Um, so they all start, in, so goes the story, to, to treat each other with a, a little bit more respect because that person or this person who is bugging you might actually be um, God incarnated as in this distressing disguise, as Mother <laughs> Teresa would have put it. And so they start being a little more caring and respectful to one another, and pretty soon the, the, the whole culture starts to come together in a different way. The trust starts to re- rebuild, and people start to feel better with one another, and there's more cooperation, and, and, and the competition is more friendly and less cutthroat, and, 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 and the families start to become stronger, and, and human connections are, are strengthened in all kinds of ways. Uh, with this increased trust, and 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 all was because of just this thought that that uh, was seeded into the, into this society that that person or this person, um, however they present to you, whatever you see at, at the um, initially when you look at them, and whatever snap judgments you may make of them may actually be um, carrying. Um, the highest potential of humanity uh, somewhere in their heart and and have a gift for everyone that's of, of tremendous significance um, and I think that and really that's actually true I don't think that's a rumor I, I actually think that's true that that every single person we meet carries a spark of of what it means to be human and also every human being we meet is is by definition, a human being, they're going through the human journey. They're experiencing the human condition. Therefore, they have, at some time in their life, or currently perhaps, suffered tremendously. And knowing that, knowing that can evoke a sense of compassion for the struggle, for the difficulty of that, that each person, even those whose actions we, we dislike perhaps intensely, and, and that they have suffered and are suffering at a certain level greatly. So when we realize that, what happens is that um, we start to work in a more loving way with our own difficulties and hardships and with with the people that we otherwise would object to. Mm. It's beautiful, and it you know, points to the the most powerful nutrient that any of us take in every day is our story. Yes, exactly. And, and I, I think we, we, we can interact with other people. At every level, this is true. It's true in, in families. It's true in work situations. It's true politically. Uh, across the divides, I, I, I really believe that the breakdown of the social fabric Wherein we start to see each other as as enemies or opponents or 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 you know every man for himself and and and, and stop looking at ways that we can serve each other and um, uh, uh, enrich each other and, and and grow together and enjoy one another. Um, that that's a sign uh, of a society that's losing its 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 roots in 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 our common humanity. Um, you know, we we need to find again our our respect for one another uh, and ourselves. Mm. Yeah, and as, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking about 
you know people who are who are in in the movement for for animals and for the environment and see themselves as you know advocates for for the voiceless and i'm thinking about you know that famous uh, children's book by dr seuss the lorax yeah which as i think about it now like the lorax was like he wouldn't get my vote for like strategist of the year <laughs> That well, there's, I don't a, there's a way in which we can become, you know, we're we're so al- allied in our minds with with nature, with animals, that we separate from humans. Yeah, you know, it's 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 true. We 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 get into things called like nutritional one-upmanship, where um, we, we we feel superior or compensate for feelings of inferiority or whatever. Um, but we 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 put other people down in our own minds for not living up to our ideals or not eating the way we would like them to eat, not being as in, awake in, in, in their food consciousness as we'd like them to be. And, and when we do that, um, we actually cut ourselves off at the knees in terms of our effectiveness as activists. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King, who I, who I worked with, I think I might have mentioned this in, in our earlier interview, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not remembering right now. But I, 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 even if I did, it's worth saying again. He, he used to say that you should never let your uh, opposition to, to some, what someone's doing uh, get in the way of your connection to their soul. Hmm. Um, he, he used to say, you know, oppose the action with, with everything you've got, but if, if the action is, is really deplorable and devastating and, and, and so forth. But... but um, don't stay, stay, stay connected if you possibly can in a respectful way and a nonviolent way to to the to the person who's perpetrating the action. I mean, in other words, if we can have compassion for those who have no compassion, um, we've taken a very big step towards the creation of the world we want to see and towards embodying the qualities that will, in fact, uh, produce the kind of experience. And society and 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 future we we'd love to create. Right, it's almost like um, you know if the if the first step is to change the foods that we put in our mouths, the 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 second step is actually much harder is to uh, is to kind of remake ourselves as human beings. I don't know anyone who who kind of grew up in a you know criticism free, non judgmental environment, and yet that's that's kind of a practice. That that we need to cultivate if we if we want to be uh, effective activists. Yeah, and and if we if we want to become whole human beings, I, I I mean I have an inner critic that's just devastating sometimes, and I was grew up criticized a lot. I did not grow up in an atmosphere of unconditional love, whatever. But uh, I I I've tried to change my inner dialogue, the way I talk to myself. I've tried to certainly change the way I talk to other people. And, and I've tried to change my thinking in the sense that I'm more re- trying to align my thinking and my mind uh, w- with the spirit of goodness in, in, in each of us um, and look for it and listen for it and notice it whenever I can, appreciating it. Um, there's so much to appreciate in ourselves and in each other, but we often, I, I certainly do, I have this habit of criticizing myself and other people, and I... I'm working to change that very, 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 step by step, day by day. 
Right. Well, was, um, I heard from uh, from uh, Bante Dharmawara, who was a Cambodian monk who was Gandhi's personal physician. He'd say, uh, "We are what we eat and drink, and we are what we think." Yes, we are indeed. And I, I sometimes think we accuse others of our own vices. You know, we project onto others the things that we don't like in ourselves. And if we will, if we'll face those things directly in ourselves, then we project them less on others. And um, strangely enough, our relationships improve tremendously when we do that. Yeah, I came across that phenomenon when I was introduced to the work of Byron Katie. Yes, yes. How every, every one of the dialogues in which you had people question their beliefs pointed right back to themselves as the main culprit. Yeah, Byron Katie's work is outstanding, and she, she, people, most people don't know that she's a vegetarian and actually was signed up to, uh, had agreed to be one of our speakers at um, this year's uh, Food Revolution Summit. Uh, at the last minute, that didn't happen. Uh, due to scheduling conflicts, but uh, most likely she will be a speaker next year. Oh, that's terrific. Um, so I have a couple, a couple more questions that I'd love to, to get in. Um, here's one. I have no idea if you will have a thoughts or an answer to it or not. Um, someone you know, noting your uh, hereditary connection to uh, Baskin-Robbins, one of the most successful businesses of the 20th century. How can we use the skills and successes of businesses like Baskin Robbins to create um, plant-based change? To create, you know, this person says, you know, maybe Whole Food quick stops around the world. Is it, do you have any thoughts on using the models that have been successful in selling, you know, fat and sugar and and salt to to actually sell healthier foods? Um. We, yeah, I do. The, the reason that, that um, fast food companies and franchised outlets are mostly, well, almost entirely selling junk food today um, is because that's what's cheapest. And they're very, very oriented around, of course, selling cheap food. And the reason that these foods are cheaper, it's not a law of physics, it's not a law of agriculture, it's, it's the result of subsidies and policies uh, that create those subsidies uh, that are in place in our farm bill. Um, we subsidize, uh, one study showed that for every dollar that goes to support fruit and vegetable production in this country, $70 goes to support factory farm meat. Um, we support agribusiness, we support chemical-based agriculture, not organic agriculture. Just to give you one small example of that, it's actually a small one, but it, it makes the point. If your grower, if you're, if you're selling food that are, that's grown with poisons, it's called conventional. You don't label it. You don't need extra certification. But if you're selling organic, you actually have to pay uh, as a grower to, to get certification. And if you're a small organic grower, that, that the cost of that may, may be really oppressive and drive up the price that you have to charge for your for your food. So it ends up organic foods end up costing more. Wow! Um, I never thought about that, but that's that's like asking everyone who isn't a felon to pay to to get a a badge that says I'm not a felon. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whereas it, it, it's an amazing thing, and, and it works very much to support agri, the agrochemical companies like Monsanto and Dow and Syngenta. They're doing very well with it. Um, similarly, our policies support genetically engineered foods, um, support industrial-scale animal agriculture, confined uh, operations, um, we're supporting really all the wrong things, and uh, we, we so need to change that. And then if we did, it would make healthier food less expensive, um, and then the, the, the food chains and the, uh, the, the fast food operations could, could make a profit selling healthy food. Right now, it's very difficult for them to do that. Um, that's not how the economics fall today, but but they're they're falling the way they are because of tremendous amounts, humongous amounts of influence and power uh, that the agrochemical companies wield, that the um, that big ag uh, 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 exerts, uh, and and the lobbying money that they spend on lobbyists in Washington just it's just extravagant. Uh, and they spend it because it's, a, it's effective for their goals, which is to uh, solidify their control over our nation's food policies. Um, we need to take back our nation's food policies so that they reflect and, and support uh, health, healthy communities, uh, a healthy um, ecosystem, and, and healthy human beings um, who are thriving because our, our, our diets are, are good for us. Um, but right now, it, it's it's difficult in a lot of environments. Um, for example, it, it, you, you could calories from Twinkies are cheaper than calories from carrots. Um, Coca Cola is cheaper than than water. Uh, it's 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 bizarre. Gasoline is cheaper than water in some places. Um, that's all because of subsidies. If you if the real costs were were reflected in the price that people pay, um, factory farm meat would not be affordable uh, hardly at all and that would be a good thing hmm. yeah i guess the the entire system is one giant externality yeah it is and 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 somehow here's another example it, it, someone makes a processed food some company makes a processed food and they put it in a box um, they find health labels they can put on that box they um, they get some kind of they add, they add some vitamins and, and they can say some make some kind of health claim based on that. Whereas if you a stock of broccoli, it's not in a box. It has no health claim on it, but it has way more nutrients and a way more bioavailable and and uh, uh, um, harmonious to the human organism uh, way uh, than the processed food in the box. But the, the health claims on the on the processed food in the box. Broccoli doesn't come with a health claim, and 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 it shouldn't really. I don't, I'm not suggesting we should stamp our broccoli stocks with health claims, but but I, I give this as an example of how it is that our our system um, favors processed foods and and highly fractionated foods and um, isolated uh, nutrients and. Um, very often, foods that are uh, injurious. Mm. So one, one, one last question. Um, so s someone writes, um, 
as a person trying to seek a, a, a life of faith. Um, given that the church has historically been instrumental, albeit imperfectly at times, in addressing major social and political issues such as slavery and civil rights and so on, what what should people of faith be doing among the you know amidst the current food crisis, which is affecting individuals and causing damage to uh, to others and to the world around us? What, is there a role for organized religion? Well, I think so. Um, of course, this is highly controversial, and people will have different views, um, and 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 deservedly so. Um, but but what what I would hope is that uh, faith communities. Um, whichever religious tradition they they may uh, identify with, um, I I think should should have a, an obligation to address world hunger, and hunger even within our own country. Uh, there are increasing numbers of people who don't have enough to eat, and ironically, we have a a, a situation in this country today where. The most obese among us are actually um, the, the most nutritionally deficient because they're eating so many empty calories um, that they're eating overeating calories, obviously, but undereating nutrients, and that doesn't create health. Um, it creates obesity and, and and a strange type of obesity in which their the cells are actually starving for nutrients. So the person continues to eat because they, they feel that they're not getting what they need, but they are going to get what they need from the food they're eating. They're just going to get more and more calories and get fatter and fatter and sicker and sicker. And, and, and so when I look at the fact that worldwide there's about a billion people on the planet today suffering from serious illnesses or dying uh, from diseases related to, to not enough food, not enough calories, not enough nutrients of any kind. And then we've got another billion people or so who are obese and are suffering disease from diseases from eating too many calories and too many empty calories. Um, I, I just think, what, what a weird, grotesque mirror image that is. Hmm. And, and people of faith, uh, people of any, any spiritual or religious tradition, it seems to me, should be appalled by that and and works to 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 re, to um, redis, dis, re, reorganize and redistribute our food so that everyone has access to healthy nutritious food and um, not just the elites who can afford to shop at whole foods and buy organic and so it, under our current conditions Right, and I'm thinking about the conversation you had uh, in the the recent Food Revolution Summit with um, Mark Hyman about his his participation uh, at the Saddleback Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, the the uh, Rick Warren is the pastor there, and and a very very influential man in in those circles. His book, the purpose, I think it's called the Purpose Driven Life, something something close to that, uh, is is one of the best selling books of all time. Um, and and Rick had, Rick Warren's Saddleback Church is huge, a, lot, a huge membership, and um, he went into a, a, a partnership with Mark Hyman, who is one of our speakers, wonderful guys, medical doctor, uh, one of our speakers at this year's Food Revolution Summit, and the uh, the, the membership of the Saddleback Church uh, in one year 
lost 250,000 pounds uh, as a result of Mark's involvement and Mark and Rick's Mark Hyman and Rick Warren's uh, partnership in, in bringing this message to to the church. And you know, it's it's situated, by the way, in Orange County, California, and it had such an impact that all as the members of the church started eating more healthfully and going to restaurants and ordering the healthful dishes and going to the markets and shopping more at the farmers markets and going to the other markets and buying healthier foods. The, the stores started to stock for healthier foods. And so even the members of the larger Orange County community who weren't part of the church uh, were influenced because they were now surrounded by healthier people eating more healthy foods and requesting more healthy foods. So more healthy foods were being made available. And it had actually an effect on the entire county, uh, possibly uh, even spreading up past that. Um, it, it's a very, very powerful uh, step. Um, a, a very large percentage of people who were diabetic got off their diabetes medications. Uh, they didn't need insulin anymore. They didn't need diabetic pills anymore. People no longer needed their blood pressure medications because their blood pressure came down normally. Um, they, they didn't need statins because their cholesterol was, was starting numbers looking better and better. Uh, they felt better, and, and they felt better as a community. And, and this act of, of losing weight... Um, their may have motivation might have been, you know, vanity or just wanting to look better, uh, but they, they ended up looking better and feeling better and and functioning better uh, and thinking more clearly. This is one of the other great advantages, by the way, of, of a healthy diet: is the body functions better, so does the mind. You're clearer, you're sharper, you're more brilliant, you're more thoughtful, more the, 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 you're more capable of deep thought, and. Um, and, and that retains over a lifetime your, your, the rates of dementia amongst old people who have lived a healthy life are far lower, far, far, far lower than, than they are for people uh, of the same age who haven't. Hmm. Yeah, and this, you know, to me, yes, it's, 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 it's a big church. Um, and, you know, sort of any, any sort of... Um, I think of like our society as kind of this super saturated solution of of misdirected misery and sort of any single like dust drop that can land in the right place can can create change that 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 ripples out. It's, it's almost like when, you know years ago I used to study different types of body work, and one of the tenets was people are moving their bodies in dysfunctional ways because they're stuck in that rut. And if the body worker, you know, the massage therapist or the, uh, the Traeger person or the physical therapist or whatever could give their muscle and their joints a new experience of movement, the body would instantly recognize it as superior and reorganize. And it's almost like that's what can happen when even very small groups of people get together and, and commit to, uh, to eating in a more humane and sustainable and healthful way. Yeah, and an enjoyable way. You know, I, 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 people generally associate uh, eating more healthfully with less pleasure, um, giving up, uh, and even deprivation from from foods that they they enjoy. Um, and and I I would be the last person to to argue that Jamocha almond fudge ice cream doesn't taste great. <laughs> I actually invented that flavor, but <laughs> but. 
The truth is, um, I get more pleasure out of eating healthy food now because my body is functioning better. My digestive tract is functioning well. My, my whole metabolism is, is humming at a higher rate of vibration. I feel better on every level. And my senses are more acute. Um, I see better. I, I hear uh, music more deeply. Uh, I, 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 I am more thrilled by sunrises and sunsets and the stars than I used to be. I, I notice them more, oh, more often. I, I, um, and, and when I sit to eat, sit to eat I, I, I'm hungry. And I, I enjoy my food, even though it's simple. And some people would even consider what I eat to be austere. But I don't. Um, I, I feel tremendously uh, rich in what I eat. Um, it's simple food. It's, it's, it's food from the earth. It connects me to the earth. It, it connects me to the powers and the beauties of the earth. And um, I find that, that to be really sacred. Um, and I certainly find that to be a, a source of great pleasure in, in, in my life. I don't think eating indulgent foods, uh, rich, salty, sugary foods, uh, foods that have been produced at the expense of our humanity, foods that are being produced, produced at the expense of the future of the earth. Um, I don't find pleasure in, in eating those foods, regardless of the sensory uh, stimulation they might provide. Hmm. And it's you know, and what I'm, I'm struck by the words you're using, you know, sacred and and appreciation of the. The powers that you know. Getting back to the the question about religion, it's it's like if you know eat, eating this way really opens us up. If you're a religious person, to maybe the language would be an, an experience of the divine, as opposed to eating the way we eat as a society is really a form of idolatry, <laughs> almost wor wor worshiping something that's that's separate, as opposed to something that really connects us with with all the mysterious forces that went into its production. Yeah, you know, the, the earth, our, our climate, uh, the rain, the soil, the human labor, um, all of the things that make food production possible, uh, healthy food production possible, are, are life-affirming things. And when we connect to them, we feel uh, strengthened in our, I believe, in our spirits. Um, but... When foods are produced with, with, with poisons and chemicals and exploit, and the labor that's involved in human labor is exploited, um, and, and the people are, 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 are really treated badly, um, then, and, and the animals are treated badly, uh, then, then there's grief in the food, then there's misery in the food, then there's, there's pain. And, and that's what we're taking into ourselves. I mean, I can't prove that. I can't measure that in a test tube. I can't, I can't objectify that in, in, and measure it scientifically. But I intuitively feel it to be, to be the case. And I, and I base my life on, on that. I, I don't think intuition is a lesser form of intelligence. It's sometimes harder to, to, uh, to, to replicate or to, to certainly harder to prove. But I intuitively feel that when the food I'm eating has been produced with love and caring and is, and is grown from the earth uh, in a natural way, um, it's going to create an experience of life for those who eat that food that's very different uh, than food that's been produced at the expense of our humanity. 
Right. And you know, one of the central tenets of religion that I learned as a kid is that, you know, God is everywhere. God is all. So if I'm if my body is, you know, ro- rolling around in in, uh, in pleasure and some other part of the universe is in misery as a as a counterweight, then it's it's my job as a person of faith to identify with that other part as, as deeply as I identify with my body. Yeah, well, I whenever I sit down to eat, I I think about those human beings who who aren't sitting down to eat right now they, because they can't. They don't have access to food. They're too poor to buy it. It's not available where they are. Um, and uh, I really want to use the food, the fuel uh, that that I'm I'm taking into my body and feeling my life to be of service to those who are left out, who are marginalized, who are stigmatized, who are um, other who, who who aren't included somehow in, in, in the in the prosperity that we all seek. Um, I I I don't want prosperity that that is, is built on the backs of other people who are hurt by it. I don't want it. I, I, I had the opportunity in my life to uh, to to experience great wealth. And I, I walked away from it because it wasn't made in a healthy way. And I, I feel very strongly that that when when we achieve success or or eat rich foods that that are the product of cruelty, that if our success is at the, at the expense of others, if our if the product we're selling is is not really serving their well-being. But is in fact harming them. Um, that success is going to turn real sour, <laughs> real, real fast. And um, uh, you know, the success I I seek is is the ability to evoke and recognize the good in in other people and serve it. And when I can do that, um, I I feel rich regardless of what my bank account is, as long as there's sufficient for my needs. Mm-hmm. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, for making time again for these uh, these extra questions that I'm I'm glad that uh, that people asked so that I could ask you because I feel like they've really en- enriched my understanding and and deepened not only my commitment but the the grace in which I seek to uh, carry out that commitment. Well, and well, and once again, Howard, I don't know if we stayed on topic. But but it's been an exciting conversation for me as well, and I feel that you and I are kindred spirits, and I, and and I know that to be the case, and and I and I and I hope that that it's been of use to to our listeners. Uh, may, may may it be so, John yeah. Robbins. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. How, Howard Jacobson, thank you for talking with me. Take care. Bye bye.